It is Tuesday, May 30th. Today, a change to Meta's offline conversions API isn't as scary as they make it sound. Ten straight months of ad spend declines, but is an end in sight? Also good news for marketers who use WhatsApp, new insights for Microsoft's AdPixel, and important Google data is now nearly three days behind. I'm Todd Maffin. That's ahead today in digital marketing. One of the first things I did when ChatGPT came out was, and you did it too, so shut up, was to ask it who I was. Who is Todd Maffin? I got most of it right. Been in the digital marketing space for almost 25 years. Used to be a national radio host and producer. But then it started going off the rails. Todd Maffin is an internationally recognized wine sommelier, it said, which is not true. And in fact, it's kind of funny considering that I'm in recovery and spent months in residential treatment 15 years ago, mostly for a wine addiction. I think we all know by now that chat GPT just straight up lies sometimes. They're hallucinations. That's why while it might be a great tool for brainstorming or coming up with different copy variations, it's not something you'd want to trust for things like brand monitoring or market research. Or would you? An interesting think piece up today on Insider Intelligence asks, maybe we should. Quoting the piece, when it comes to assessing brand strength, these so-called hallucinations can be a tool for evaluating what brand associations really are. And those same hallucinations can be fed back into ChatGPT to generate customer profiles, marketing copy, and even new products. For example, marketers can get AI to hallucinate any brand as a Dungeons & Dragons character sheet determining its strengths, weaknesses, and core features. What might seem like a silly experiment can help advertisers in tangible ways, unquote. One interesting example cited was when a researcher asked ChatGPT to rewrite the Gettysburg Address in Coca-Cola's voice. The piece also suggests that these hallucinations might have a role in product generation, with a prompt like this, quote, Imagine that you are a product ideas generator machine that contains three sliders that go from zero to ten. One for age, zero being the youngest consumers, ten being the oldest. Another for gender, zero being the most male, ten being the most female. And another one for hipness, zero being the least cool. For a given slider setting, I want you to describe a product that meets these attributes. ChatGPT could then churn out products, descriptions, and messaging for consumers of various ages, genders, and hipness levels, unquote. Or it might just tell you you should change your business to become a wine sommelier brand. Well, it's usually Meta Monday on Mondays. Of course, this is the second Monday in a row where we had it off because of a holiday. So it is Meta Tuesday. Usually Andrew Foxwell joins me. However, Andrew is on holidays. And so in his stead, Shane Cicero, who is the VP of Operations for Foxwell Digital, is with me. Hello, Shane. Hi, how are you doing? I'm good. So I'm hoping you can help me because I must have misread this. I saw an announcement from Meta last week that said the offline conversions API... And that's the uh, back end pipeline that takes data from a retailer's point of system, point of sale system and puts it into their back end. The offline conversions API will no longer support offline events. 
what, what, what is happening? Isn't that the whole point of an offline conversions API? What am I missing? Yeah, you're 100% accurate that, yes, that's what the offline conversion API is supposed to be doing. Uh, what I think we're seeing here is, uh, like I just previously said, consolidation, right? So I think what Meta is doing here is they, they have uh, full capability with the conversion API in and of itself. And so they're not seeing the value of having a separate um, API for the offline events. So they're merging that into the conversion API uh, as we go forward. I think what if we're reading between the lines here as well is that, you know, uh, post iOS 14, you know, one of the kind of hacks out there was to kind of use uh, the offline conversion API to kind of bring uh, your website conversions in uh, back into the platform. And while it didn't help optimize campaigns, it was at least helping advertisers for a period of time uh, be able to see what ad sets and campaigns were actually converting uh, because it was bringing that website uh, data over. That technically goes against, uh, you know, these guidelines that of you know, privacy and whatnot that Apple implemented here with the iOS opt out. So I think if we're reading between the lines here, the conversion API and merging offline conversions API into that is going to probably break that down so you can no longer do that. And to be fair, this doesn't really affect most marketers directly. Is that right? Like I would think that the API for for the majority of small and medium sized businesses they're accessing this API indirectly through a third-party tool. Am I right there, or does it have a more direct impact? No, you're correct there, and I don't see there being a very direct um, impact. I think where it is going to be an impact is if somebody has been kind of using it in uh, the way I just previously mentioned, or it could you know, certainly um, affect or at least have some additional work to be updated and reconnected uh, for those who... Uh, maybe are a local retailer and know and understand that, you know, meta ads are actually driving foot traffic and they're using that offline conversion to actually attribute that information. This is where we say goodbye to those of you on the free podcast. But for those of you on the premium feed, our chat continues. Let's start with the bad news. The ad market's year long decline of spend is still happening. March was the ninth straight month that ad spending was down, falling 8.4%, according to numbers by Tenuity. But in April, the year-over-year decline was only 1.4%, a much better number. Still down, but, you know, better. In fact, April's decline was the smallest since last September. Some analysts think this might forecast numbers going back into the black soon, especially as we get closer to the summer season. Quoting Insider Intelligence, Context is everything. Since the second half of 2022, ad spend has contracted considerably as the pandemic boom cooled. Social media companies posted significantly lower ad revenues. Longtime advertisers slashed marketing teams and budgets. And interest rates forced companies to hold their wallets close. The end of third-party cookies, privacy crackdowns, and TikTok's controversies all pose additional challenges that advertisers are struggling to handle. One of the most irritating parts of using WhatsApp as a digital marketer is that when you first booted up the app, it insisted on you logging in with a phone number. That's fine if you're just a single person using the app, but if you're a brand or an agency, you might not want to assign your specific phone number to a brand account. Instead, you'd use a username, but that hasn't been possible. 
until now. The username feature in WhatsApp has been spotted in a beta release and will let you select one for your account. This is, of course, great news for brands and agencies and will make logging in and managing a company account much simpler without playing the whose phone number did we use for this again game. Also, eagle-eyed beta testers spotted a new screen sharing ability, which will let you broadcast whatever's on your phone's screen to people in a WhatsApp call. They also appear to be working on a status archive setting that will let you archive your statuses after 24 hours and then reshare them later if you want. So far, that appears to only be working for business accounts. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. And if you like the format of this podcast, you will love theirs. It's packed with information, but it's brief. Last week, they had a great rundown on car prices, not just the numbers, but why car prices moved, how weather affects that market. It was super interesting. They also cover things like boosting your credit score, putting money away for retirement, saving on travel, and so on. So yeah, listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Putting our podcast and newsletter together can get complicated. We add show notes in one place, interview coordination in another, brainstorming somewhere else. It's easy to lose track of the big picture when you have to open a new window for every detail. With Miro, you can bring everything and everyone together in one place. Consolidate different points of view and increase team collaboration all on one centralized board. For instance, we used Miro to figure out the right flow for our newsletter automations. It let us get our team all contributing, including our ad agency people, and saved us a ton of time. And its new AI tool, which summarizes and clusters information automatically, was a game changer. Find simplicity in your most complex projects with Miro. Your first three Miro boards are free when you sign up today at Miro.com slash podcast. That's three free boards at Miro.com slash podcast. Some nice new data coming soon from Microsoft's ad platform. Starting July 3rd, they'll be launching UET Insights. That's essentially deeper analytics on your existing UET tags. These tags, sometimes we call these pixels, ride along with a user session and help with things like conversion tracking, remarketing, and automated bidding strategies. Among the new data points to expect, a session breakdown by country and device, quickbacks, those are customers who stay on your website for just a few seconds, and time spent on your website. You don't need to do any coding for this. Microsoft says existing tags will automatically be updated on the back end, and all new tags created in the future will be automatically enabled with UET Insights. Also, nice little touch. They say the data dashboard should show you insights in near real time, and it's all actual data, no sampling or modeling. Now, if for some reason you'd rather not have this automatic upgrade, you can opt out on their website. You'll need to provide either the UET tag IDs for each specific tag you would like to opt out or the manager account ID if you want to opt out of all UET tags within that manager account. Something is up with the Google Search Console performance report. SE Roundtable reports the data is delayed by more than 60 hours. This is an important report for many marketers who have responsibility for SEO. Sure, there are third-party tools that can get you part of the way there, but it's usually better going right to the source. 
No word if what's actually delayed is the source data itself, which would affect third-party tools also, or if it's just the generation of the report from live data. Sometimes when these things happen, it's deliberate, and the platform later announces they've slowed things down for one reason or another. That is not the case here. This is a bug, and Google is aware of it. You'll know if you're affected by going to the search performance report and you see a long time period after the last updated line. Barry Schwartz from SE Roundtable says this has happened many, many times before and that the search console always does catch up in the end. And finally, earlier we mentioned the amusing hallucinations that generative text AI has been doing. We're certainly not the first to cover it. Hell, it's been one of the most commonly reported stories of the new technology. But maybe Stephen Schwartz of the law firm Levidow, Levidow and Oberman didn't see any of those stories. He was working for a client suing an airline. Allegedly, a metal serving card hit the guy and it caused an injury or something. The airline asked the judge to toss out the case. But Mr. Schwartz fired back last week with a 10-page brief that cited more than a half dozen relevant precedents. There was Martinez versus Delta Airlines, Zickerman versus Korea Airlines, and, of course, I probably don't even need to remind you about this one, the infamous Varghese versus China Southern Airlines. It was an impressive document. You know where this is going, right? Yes, it turns out none of these cases actually existed. Mr. Schwartz, who, by the way, has practiced law for more than three decades, used ChatGPT to write part of the document, And ChatGPT did what ChatGPT does, make shit up. Quoting the New York Times, Schwartz threw himself on the mercy of the court Thursday, saying in an affidavit that he'd used the artificial intelligence program to do his legal research, quote, a source that has revealed itself to be unreliable, unquote. He said that he had never used ChatGPT and therefore was unaware of the possibility that its content could be false. He had, he told the judge, even asked the program to verify that the cases were real. It had said, yes, unquote. The judge has ordered a hearing for June 8th to discuss potential sanctions. Dear friend, I need to rant for a little bit, and the rant is about televisions. You know... We used to have good things with televisions like, oh, I don't know, speakers. You notice this in the last, God, like 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, maybe even. There are no speakers anymore at the front of TVs. I mean, I guess they want it to look nice. They, they want it to be a big screen. So instead of putting speakers there in the front, they put them at the back. I guess the idea being that it will just bounce off the back of the wall and then come forward. The problem with that theory, of course, is that there's a giant TV in the way. So the sound waves don't get there. But the industry has a solution, friends. And it's to buy more things. In particular, a sound bar. Which I finally did. Because we had an old Onkyo amplifier that was like 20 years old. And it was down to one speaker. And the subwoofer was crappy. And my wife hated it. Mostly because there were wires everywhere. It didn't do Bluetooth. It didn't do anything. So I bought yesterday a new sound bar. It's beautiful. It does airplay, Bluetooth. It sounds fantastic. The only problem is it was like (laughs) $1,200. But it's worth it. And it's going to go on the TV that my wife uses to play Xbox. 
Because honestly, I, I the sound quality that was before was just offensive. And she plays these big games, Dragon Age Inquisition and Skyrim. If you're a gamer, you'll know these are epic games with music and battles. And it, it should sound glorious, but it's always sound terrible. So I got it all hooked up yesterday. She went to play the game. I was so excited. And she spent two hours on the inventory management screen of Dragon Age Inquisition, which has no music, whatsoever. in fact, no sound at all, whatsoever. Now, it's an important part of the game, inventory management, don't get me wrong. It's not like she was stuck there, but yeah, I was um, a little disappointed, let's say. <laughs> don't forget the premium version of this podcast. You can learn more about it by tapping the link in the show notes or going to todayindigital.com slash premium. See you tomorrow. Give me a chain reaction Just flash a smile and